So we've just introduced Dan, who's going to come and uh, share with us from, from God's Word. So we've been just having a mini-series as we've sort of expanded our in-person. We thought that was a good opportunity to just refresh ourselves as to what we believe. Um, we, in, in, yeah, in, we believe we live in sort of about three ways, three ways we, we see we live, and we just thought it'd be a good time to, to refresh that amongst ourselves. So Sam kicked us off last week with up. So we live in an upward manner, upwards towards God in worship and, and reverence to him. And Dan's going to talk about in. So we live in an inward way with one another as part of God's family. And then next week, we're going to look at out. So how we live in an outward way to those around us who don't yet know God. So without further ado, Dan Hazer. Fantastic. Thanks, Paul. Good to see everyone. Really, really good to see people in the flesh, to see so many people. And uh, really good to be talking to you if you're watching online as well. You're very, very welcome. And particularly if you just happen to be here, this is your first time, or if you're just logging in for the first time, you're really, really welcome. My name's Dan. I'm uh, part of the leadership team here and I'm um, going to be talking for the next few minutes. Uh, well, Paul kind of introduced the sermon, which is great. That's the first few minutes done, which means I then get more time for the rest of it, which is, which is great. But we're in a series called Life 2.0. And as Paul said, we're going to be looking today at the idea that as Christians, as followers of Jesus, we live lives that are up in and out. And today we're going to look at the in aspect, the idea that actually Christian living is not just about me and Jesus in my little bubble. That's one of those words that means something slightly different now, doesn't it? Me and Jesus in my little bubble, that's not the totality of the Christian life, but that actually a huge part of Christian living is that we are in-focused in the sense that we are focused towards one another and that we are part of the people of God and that also we're part of local expressions of that. So if you would call Life Church your home, part of your expressing what it means to be inward in the sense of towards one another is belonging to a local church. So that's what we're going to be looking at today. But before we continue, why don't I, why don't I pray? Why don't we pray and just commit this time to God as we open the word of God together? Father, I pray that as we come now to feed on the truth of your holy word, that you would speak to us. I pray, Lord, that you would take, take your words. I pray you'd plant it in us. I pray you'd shape us. I pray you'd mould us. You'd make us more like Jesus. I pray that you would help us to see Jesus more clearly as a result of today. I pray that you would help us to see him in all of his glory. I pray, Lord, that you would use my words, Lord, my feeble words, that you would use them alongside your powerful, mighty, spirit-inspired word and that you would speak to our hearts today that you transform our hearts, that our affections and our, our loves would be directed towards you and that you would help us today to hear from you as you speak to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So in. Now, it's probably just worth saying at the outset that the in aspect of what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus in the sense that we connect with one another, we're part of a church that is connected to, with, with one another, is probably, I think, out of the three is going to be, well... <laughs> Perhaps out has taken a massive hit as well, but I think in, in particular, will have taken a huge toll over the last year and a half. I'm, I can probably assume that for most, if not all of us, the, what, what we have experienced over the last year and a half in terms of not being able to meet together physically, not being able to do a whole host of things that we used to do, will have taken a massive, massive toll 
in terms of emotionally, mentally, but also spiritually. And I think that's, that's my experience. I found this year and a half so difficult from the point of view of what, what it feels like we've not been able to do as a church family. So if we just think about some of, the, some of the things that are central to being a Christian when you read the New Testament that we've not been able to do in the same way over the last year and a half. We've not been able to sing together until recently. That's a massive deal. The people of God are called to sing together, but for, and again, this isn't a political comment, it's not a comment about what, what, what the government said, what we should have done and so on, but something has been taken away momentarily that is central to what it means to be a follower of Jesus, singing with other believers, taking communion as a gathered group. It's, there have been whole chunks of the last year and a half where we haven't been able to take communion with other people full stop, let alone in groups of larger than six or two households. That's, a, that's going to take its toll. We've not been able to lay hands on people when we've been praying for them. We've not been able to embrace one another when we see each other. Praise God for the fact that we've been able to use Zoom for Sunday services and for life groups, but I think particularly when we're thinking about life groups and trying to interact and have genuine community, it's amazing to be able to still do that, but there's a sense in which it's a bit bittersweet. It's a bit kind of like, oh, it's not the same as having people in my living room. It's not the same as having people physically there. And I've, I've found that hugely difficult. I don't, know, I don't know for you, I would imagine that most of us will have. I have found that so difficult. And for me, it's taken a real toll in terms of, uh, I think, spiritually. And I think for me, one of the most liberating moments for me over this, over this whole pandemic was a few months in, listening to a Christian leader being interviewed. And uh, he said, when we read what the New Testament church were expected to do, and when we read what they did in terms of community, and we realize what we've had to momentarily give up, he said, it's not just understandable that that would take its toll in our spiritual walk. He said, we should expect that to take its toll. And for me, it was just one of those moments where I thought, yeah, I'm not unusual. The fact that I'm finding this so difficult isn't weird. It's normal. And maybe for some of you, actually, just to, to hear that articulated, to say, if you feel that this year, because of not being able to gather with others, because of not being able to lay hands on one another, embrace one another, take communion together, if you feel that's taken a toll spiritually, and you think, just my, walk, my personal walk with God may well have grown, but there's something lacking, that's normal. And I think it's important to say that. And I found that so, so difficult. But I tell you what, one of the positive things that it has done is it's made me appreciate the church more. It's made me appreciate the value of seeing one another, the value of community, the value of the church. Sometimes you need to lose something in order to appreciate just how much you, in order to know just how much you actually appreciate something. And I imagine for a number of us, we may be in a position where this last year has put us in a position where we think, I actually appreciate the church far more because I now realize what I had that has been partly taken away. And so that's not to say that God won't have been doing stuff this year at all. God is sovereign. God is in control. That's another thing that's really important to say. God will have, for many of us, helped us in our own personal walk with God in a way where we think, I, I feel the story for many of us. God will have done wonderful things during this time. But none of that means that it's not going to take a massive toll to not be able to do what the church biblically is expected to do for, for, for valid reasons. That's going to take its toll. And so we're all going to be in different places. The reality is at the moment we're going to be in all in, in different places. 
Um, not just physically, obviously, but also in terms of emotionally, uh, how we feel. It's still a difficult time. There's still high cases. There's still a lot of wisdom that's needed. And we need wisdom to know how do we navigate this next season. And so for some of us, some of us may well be we're like, I'm desperate. Everyone, please hug me. Just jump on top of me now and give me a massive hug. That, that may be where some of us are. It's a bunch of green lanyards who are probably just shouting amen at the moment. For others of us, we may think, I have so felt the impact of this season. I feel that something has been drained, but I'm also aware of some major health concerns that I have. And that's a completely valid way of feeling. For others of us, we may be in a position where we think, actually, you know what? I've actually quite enjoyed lockdown. It's given me a bit of time to, to kind of have a bit of focus on myself and my walk with God, and I actually feel God's helped me to grow. And it may be that for you, you've, you've actually really grown during this season, but that perhaps at the moment, community is therefore something that's perhaps not on your mind quite as much. So we might be on completely different places, and that's great. But what I want to do this morning is to make sure that wherever we are, in terms of how we're feeling about the next season, how we're feeling about restrictions lifted, I want to do a couple of things to make sure that we've got our eyes, at our foundation on Scripture. So that whatever decisions we make with the wisdom of God, we've got our foundations right. And so what I want to do is to step back this morning and I want us to have a look at the big picture. So that again, so wherever we are on, in terms of how we're feeling, we've got a biblical understanding of what the church is meant to be. And then towards the end, I want to just have a bit of a look at what are some principles for how we navigate the next season in a godly and wise way when it comes to the in aspect of stuff. You up for that? I'm assuming that everyone on Zoom was shouting yes from their living rooms, but you guys in the room are allowed to say yes now, by the way. You're allowed to... There we go. Yes, it's good to hear people's voices. Right, so if you've got your Bibles, do you want to open in Ephesians chapter 3? And uh, we're going to read Ephesians 3 verses 7 to 13 in a minute. Often knowing what the big picture is matters in terms of being motivated about something. So some of you may have heard the, uh, the illustration of three different people who are laying bricks, three bricklayers, and uh, someone goes up to the first one and says, what are you doing? And he says, I'm laying bricks. He says, okay, right, that's obviously what you're doing. And then he goes to the next guy and he says, what are you doing? He's doing exactly the same thing as the first person. But the next guy replies, I'm building a wall. He says, okay, I can, I can see it, it's going up. Then he goes to the final guy and says, he's doing exactly the same thing, laying bricks. He says, what are you doing? And the third guy says, I'm building a cathedral. And sometimes in life, having the big picture on something makes a difference to the way you're motivated. The guy who was saying, I'm laying bricks, may well have been thinking, yeah, it's a worthwhile thing to lay bricks. But I'm sure the guy who was thinking, I'm building a cathedral, had a sense of the big picture, and therefore he probably felt much more excited about the job he was doing, whereas the first person might have thought, it just feels a bit repetitive and mundane. And I think it's important for us to have a sense of the big picture. And that's what we're going to do today. We're going to read Ephesians 3, verses 7 to 13, which gives us a big picture, cathedral-like perspective on what the church, the people of God, is meant to be. So let's read Ephesians 3, verses 7 to 13 together. This is the Apostle Paul speaking. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to me, to preach the, to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things, so that through the church, 
the manifold or multicolored wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is for your glory. If someone were to ask you, what is God's purpose for the church? I wonder what you might reply. What's God's purpose for the church? Why did God create the church, the people of God? Now we might reply, well, God has created the church as a community for individuals to belong to. And biblically, that is completely true. Absolutely true. But that's not what Paul talks about in this passage. Some of us may well answer, well, it's a group of people where we're a community and we're helping one another another to grow in Christ. We're helping one another to love Jesus more. Hallelujah, absolutely true. But that's not what Paul talks about in this passage. What Paul does here is he takes a step even further back and he says, I'm going to let you know what God's ultimate purpose in creating the church, the people of God is. Let's have a look at verse 10 together. Paul says, this is... God's plan that was kept a mystery for ages, but now in light of Jesus has been revealed, this is God's plan. Through the church, the manifold or multicolored wisdom of God might be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. Let me just read that again. It's a bit of a dense verse, but I want us to hear it. Through the church, the manifold or multicolored wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. So the idea that Paul's saying here is that the church, somehow, so the people of God worldwide, which is expressed in smaller groups in local churches, somehow shows off how wise God is to rulers and authorities. The church shows off how wise God is to the rulers and authorities. Who are these rulers and authorities that God is showing off to? Well, it's not human rulers. He's not talking about earthly governments here. So yes, I think the church should show off how wise God is to Boris Johnson. I think the church should show off how wise God is to Biden or Putin or whoever other governments there are. But Paul's talking about something even bigger here. Rulers and authorities in the heavenly places in the Bible is a reference to angels, demons, mighty spiritual powers that live in the heavenly realms. And Paul is saying that when angels and demons see that because of Jesus, God has made a people for himself from every background, from every nation, from every culture, from every ethnic group, and has made them one in Christ, angels and demons look on and say, God is so wise. God is so, so wise. That's what you and I are part of. That's the cathedral perspective on the church. We're gathered, so this gathering in this room, which on, on the one hand is quite impressive because we've not been able to gather in these numbers for a long time. But on the one hand, on the other hand, from a human point of view, sorry, no offense, but it's not that impressive. There's just a bunch of us sat in a room. There's a bunch of us on a Zoom call. From a human point of view, it doesn't actually look that impressive. There are bigger music festivals around the world where you get larger groups of people. But at the moment, In this room and in this Zoom call, we have got people from so many different backgrounds, so many different cultural, financial, ethnic, national backgrounds gathered because of Jesus. And the angels and demons are looking at what is going on in this room 
and in millions of other rooms around the world right now, and the angels are worshipping God for his wisdom, and the demons are terrified and quaking because of God's wisdom. That's what the church is for. Yes, the church is a place where we grow. Yes, the church is a place where we do community, where we love one another. But all of that is a means to an end, which is to show how awesome and amazing God is. Isn't that amazing that us benefiting from the church, us benefiting from community, is actually a way of showing off how amazing God is? As John Piper puts it, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. In other words, the more you delight and enjoy your walk with God, the more amazing that makes God look. And that's true for the church as well. The more we enjoy and delight in being a church, a community of believers, the more amazing that makes God God look. It's amazing. And it's not even an afterthought in God's mind. Let's have a look at verse 11. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord. This was according to the eternal purpose that God has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord. In other words, God didn't say, oh, I've now suddenly come up with a great idea. Now that Jesus has died and been raised from the dead, let's come up with this idea called the church from lots of different nations and backgrounds. No, this is something from eternity past. From eternity past, God's purpose has been, I am going to show how wise I am to angels and demons. And one of the ways I'm going to do that is through a group of people who would usually not find themselves in the same room, would definitely not get along together outside of the fact that Jesus has brought them together. It's an eternal thing. And it's also eternity future. The climax of history, the climax of the whole of history, is not Jesus and isolated individuals. The climax of history is Jesus marrying his bride. Revelation 21 and 22, the last two chapters of the Bible, I think we often think of the end of Revelation and we think, oh, well, that's talking about heaven and new creation. And it partly does. But the climax of Revelation is not actually new creation. The climax of the book of Revelation is the unveiling of the church. The climax of history is the moment where Jesus our Lord and Saviour, marries his people. And so that's, that is what we are part of. That is the big picture perspective of what we're part of. And so we're going to come down to earth in a couple of minutes and think through what does that practically look like right now. But as we kind of come down from the heights of, oh my goodness, this is huge, I want us to remember that the little things that we're going to look at now, some of which might seem like just, here's how you get along with someone, These are part of demonstrating, showing off God's wonderful wisdom to angels and rulers. So how do we, in this season, how do we demonstrate God's wisdom? Well, I think that that actually this current stage that we're living in is actually a really good opportunity to demonstrate God's wisdom because the reality is no one knows what the real answer is to exactly what we should do. Like no, no church around the world really knows exactly what the right or wrong thing to do at this stage. Like do, we, do we say you have to come and gather in person? Do we say, no, no face masks, face masks are on. Do we say you have to wear face masks? Do we say, right, we're not going to... It's a complicated time. But what a wonderful time to demonstrate how awesome God is through the way that we interact with one another. And so what we're going to do is we're going to read a few verses later, Ephesians 4, verses 1 to 3, where Paul just gives us some principles. I'm not going to answer everyone's questions today because I don't have the answer. But what I am going to do is give us some principles about how life as a church should generally work. And then then we'll do a little bit of thinking about how might that look right now? 
before we then go back up to the big picture as we finish, because I think that's a good place to finish. You up for that? So we've got a few more minutes to go, but let's do some thinking. Ephesians 4, verses 1 to 3 says this. I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, patience, one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. What wonderful principles. Wonderful, wonderful principles of how the church, the people of God are meant to live together. Now, in context, Paul is writing saying that what God has done is he's taken Jewish people and non-Jewish people and has made them one in Christ. Those are two groups of people who did not get on at all before Jesus came along and reconciled them. And so we're now thinking, right, 2,000 years later, what does it look like to live in a way where we have humility, gentleness, patience, and bearing with one another in love? So wonderful principles, but what that might look like practically is so I think one of, one of the decisions that we've made as a, as a leadership team that we've suggested is that at the moment, as we're starting to gather in larger numbers, we're encouraging people to wear face masks. Does that mean that that is the right or the wrong answer? I don't think so. I, I really don't think it's I, like some churches do slightly differently. Some churches do it the other way. But what we're saying is a way of us expressing our love for each other and recognizing that there may well be some people who might at the moment not feel comfortable coming to an in-person service if other people weren't wearing masks. For the sake of those people, let's put up with an hour of having a piece of cloth over our face. That's kind of how we're doing it. We're saying we're going to be patient. We're not pretending it's the right or the wrong answer, but we're saying here's a way that we are going to navigate this season to demonstrate God's wisdom to rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. Another thing that humility, patience, bearing with one another might look like is seeking to understand one another and how we're feeling about stuff rather than jumping to assumptions. It's so easy to do that at the moment, isn't it? Have you, like, anytime you watch politics at the moment is basically assumption after assumption thrown on both sides. It's like polarised. And so it's so easy for that to creep into us. And we need to make sure that what we're doing is seeking to understand one another. Let, let's create a culture where people are feeling at the moment. How are you feeling about kind of the, the next steps that's going on? How are you feeling about restrictions being lifted, about church and so on? How, how are you feeling and seeking to understand one another rather than being immediately jumping to assumptions? So it could be that one person says, well, that, uh, that, that person's not coming to the in-person meeting. They're being guided by fear rather than faith. I need to preach faith to them actually, let's seek to understand that person. They may well, there will be very good reasons, I'm sure, that that person is saying, at the moment, I don't feel comfortable coming to a gathering this big. On the flip side, the other assumption that could be made is, those people who are gathering in person, surely, don't they care about people dying? Let's look to understand one another. That's what's going on in the political world at the moment, very obviously, is like polarisation. The church is a place where we can, act, we can hold different views but we can do that in a way where we are loving and honouring and preferring one another and caring for one another in gentleness. Asking people what would help them. I've done this, I think, recently. We've, we've loved having, being able to have people over, over again a bit more. But what we've, what we've been trying to do is to make sure that we're not putting people in a position where they'd feel uncomfortable. And so maybe asking someone, I'd love to hang out with you. Would it help you if I took a lateral flow test before coming to see you? Would it help you if we went for a walk outside or something like that? These are, again, and so many other scenarios that you could think of, but the principles are we're going to 
have patience with one another. We're going to be gentle towards one another. We're going to care for one another, love one another. And as we do that, it may just seem like here's how we manage to get on without people falling out. The purpose is bigger. The purpose is that angels and demons look at that and the angels worship God and say, isn't God wise? Look, he's taken two people who have very different views at the moment and has made them one. The demons quake in their boots and say, goodness me, this God is so ultimately powerful and wise. That's what we're about. So that's what we're going to seek to do as we go forward. It doesn't mean we have all the answers. It doesn't mean we know what each step of the road is going to take. But maybe just to throw a little bit of a, a challenging encouragement in there. In order to have these attitudes towards one another requires that we interact with and spend time with each other. Have you, ever tr- have you noticed it's very easy to be patient with someone that you never actually see or interact with? Don't really need to be that patient. I used to think I was really patient until I had kids. And part of the thing with having kids is it's in your face constantly. Not it, sorry, they, as in the reality. The reality of the children's kind of lack of patience or just not doing stuff the way I want it to be done is in your face constantly. When we are with one another, that's the moments where we need to exercise patience and love one another and care for one another. And so in that sense, so there's perhaps a gentle challenge for all of us which is wherever we are at the moment, wherever we feel emotionally about restrictions lifting, hanging out with people, indoors, outdoors, so on, we do need to make sure that we are interacting and spending time with each other. And so my challenge for you is to ask yourself the question, what would that look like for you at the moment? What would that look like for you in this season? So for us, we've loved having lots of people over. um, But what we've done is we've said, well, let's make sure we do it in a way that they're comfortable with. So that might mean that the kind of gathering that we have might be different depending on who's coming, but we're committed to community because there's something in us that says, no, no, this is a non-negotiable. This has to be part of the way that we live. Why not, for you, maybe maybe it might look like coming along to the cafe on Wednesdays. Maybe maybe for some of you who are watching online, you're thinking, at the moment, because of various concerns I have, I don't feel in a place of confidence to come on a Sunday morning, but... I could feel in a place of confidence to come on a Wednesday and have some coffee with someone, whether that's indoors or outdoors. Why don't you do that? Why don't we all look to take next steps that will help us grow in community with one another? Maybe you would feel comfortable with going for a walk with someone, where you think, yeah, indoors, still not quite feeling, I just, concerns for health, but I'd be happy to go for a walk with someone. Let's, Let's do that. Dropping a text to someone or a phone call, having a Zoom hangout with someone, if comfortable, why not come along on Sundays? If you're, so for some of us, there may be genuine concerns where we think, just not feeling right there yet. But, it, but nonetheless, we're choosing to do this because we believe it's so important that the church gathers in person. But we want to do that in a way that helps people. And maybe you are thinking, actually, I, I'm not lacking the confidence at all. I, I, that, actually, I just like the idea of not having to, having to come in person. And perhaps there's a gentle challenge if that's the case for you, to say, come on, why don't you sign up next week? Why don't you come along and gather to be able to sing with one another? So there's some thought, and you can figure it out for yourself. Like, there's a million and one individual situations that we're going to have to figure out over the next time, but the principles are we do it with patience, with humility, caring for one another, loving one another, preferring one another. And as we do that, we remember we're not just laying bricks We're not even just building a wall, we're building a cathedral. We are demonstrating God's wisdom to rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. 
And so I'd love to kind of take us back up to the heavenlies as we, as we finish. And it'd be great if the band could come up maybe. We're going to respond by singing and praising Jesus. And what I'd love to do is just read some verses from the end of Revelation. So there may be a whole host of practical things that are now whirring around your minds that are important to think through. Can I just ask for the moment that we perhaps put those to the side and that we refocus our attention on the big picture so that any decision that we make is coming from a place of of going, wow, isn't God amazing, isn't God wise? And what I'm going to do is I'm going to read a few verses from Revelation 21. It's very pictorial language. For those of you who aren't familiar with Revelation, it's not meant to be taken as a literal description of, the future, of what the future looks like physically. It's symbols trying to communicate something. But this is a symbolic description of the church in new creation. And I want us to marvel at how glorious the church is going to be when Jesus returns so that we might then marvel even more at how amazing Jesus is. This is Revelation 21, verses 1 to 3, and then we're going to jump to verses 9 to 14. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, that's the church, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. And let's jump to verse nine. Then came one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls full of the seven last plagues and spoke to me saying, Come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great high mountain and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem. Again, a picture of the church coming down out of heaven from God, having the glory of God, its radiance like a most rare jewel, like a jasper, clear as crystal. It had a great high wall with 12 gates and at the gates, 12 angels and on the gates, the names of the 12 tribes of the sons of Israel were inscribed. On the east, three gates, on the north, three gates, on the south, three gates, on the west, three gates. And the wall of the city had 12 foundations and on them were the 12 names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. And we could read and go on and go on. This is a symbolic description of a temple coming down from heaven saying, a temple, the dwelling place of God, saying, the church, the church, the bride of Christ is the place that God is going to dwell for the whole of eternity. That's what we're about building. Anytime we do anything practical that might seem like we're just being nice to someone or just caring for someone, we are doing something far bigger. I'd love us to now focus our eyes on the awesome God who has been infinitely wise that through the church he might demonstrate his amazing wisdom. So why don't we respond? Why don't we stand? If you're, home, if you're at home, why don't you stand as well? And why don't we worship this awesome, amazing God that we serve?